Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at the MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is DJ Hillier and you are listening to another edition on the MyFit Podcast. This week on the show, I welcome back Dr. Sean Pestuge. Dr. Sean is the founder of Active Life Rx and Active Life Professional. Dr. Sean has been working to bridge the gap between fitness and healthcare since 2005. And over the past 15 years, Dr. Sean has helped Olympic medalists, professional athletes, CrossFit Games champions, and thousands of everyday people to get out of pain and perform at their best without going to the doctor or missing the gym. He's helped doctors, gym owners, coaches, and trainers around the world to build their fulfilling careers of serving their clients in the best way possible. Dr. Sean has a burning passion for improving the fitness industry, turning the coaches into professionals, and teaching the skills and tactics of sales. And Dr. Sean recently just came out with a book that I read, and it's called Turn Pro, The Fitness Professional's Guide to Ethical Sales and Career Fulfillment. I really personally enjoy all things that have to do with sales and business. So I was very eager to read this book and learn more about the areas that maybe don't get talked about when it comes to personal training certifications or opening a gym uh, 101s, kind of the 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 same idea of why people don't talk about taxes in school, things like that. I think sales training and sales coaching needs to be something that it's a little bit more publicized, a little bit more normalized and talked about in gyms. And if you have some of these skills as a coach and personal trainer, it can really help create a fulfilling career. So that's what the genesis of the conversation was, is going through his new book, Turn Pro and learn anything and everything we can about how to be better salespeople, because whether we believe it or know it or not, we are always selling ourselves or selling, uh, convincing other people, trying to build trust. We're, we're constantly in a world of selling. So our first topic that we talked about was, what does it mean to turn pro? This is a hashtag that Dr. Sean and his company use uh, quite often. It's also obviously the title of the book. So I was curious, what does it mean to turn pro? What does it look like? What doesn't it look like? We then talked about the foundational principles of sales, then the six questions that we should be asking to schedule a sales conversation. Then we talked about AARP, which is acknowledge, agree, repeat, and pivot. Then we talked about dealing with money objections. And Dr. Sean has a lot of great responses when it comes to people objecting to money, saying things like, this is too expensive. I don't think I can afford it. Just some really good practical things that you guys can take away when you're having these conversations in your gym. Let me close down talking about some quick tips and tricks for better sales. Just some simple things that you guys can throw into your repertoire um, and just things maybe you shouldn't be doing when it comes to sitting down with another potential client. Again, this conversation revolves all around sales. So if you have a background in sales, you're going to love this. Or if you are uh, looking to get into the fitness industry and you're not sure about how to grow your business, this will be a great episode for you. 
make sure to follow Dr. Sean. He puts out a lot of great stuff on Instagram. He has three pages at Dr. Sean Pastuge, at Active Life Rx, and at Active Life Professional, where you can learn more about his tactics, tips, tricks, and kind of what he's up to. Uh, also, be sure to check out his new book, Turn Pro, where you can purchase online. And lastly, make sure to use code MIFIT215 to save 15% off at Legends. Again, that's MIFIT215 to save 15% off at Legends. Guys, enjoy the show. Hopefully, you learned something new about sales and marketing, and we will get back to it again next week. All right, without further ado, let's get to the episode with Sean Pestuge. Let's go. Dr. Sean Pestuge, welcome back to the MyFit Podcast. It's been two years and that's too long, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come back on the show. The first time was a major hit and I'm excited to get into all things Turn Pro today. I'm happy to be back on, DJ. Awesome. You're one of the busiest guys I think I follow on Instagram, man. You're always doing something. You're, you're a go-getter. You're always working on different projects. And the latest and the greatest is your book, Turn Pro, which I just finished. It's a great book. A uh, nice short read. Uh, like I said uh, multiple times, I feel like I can hear you in my, in my brain when I'm uh, reading the book. And I think that's just a testament to who you are and your message is so consistent across the board. But I think the best place to start is to talk about Turn Pro, the title. What does Turn Pro mean and why is this become so important to you and active life, your company, and kind of just the way you are? So if I can go back to uh, the voice thing before I answer that, I tried a ghostwriter. <clears throat> I tried having somebody write the book for me, just like mm -hmm. lay it out. Inter they interview me and then they start to write it. And as I'm reading it, I was just like, no, no, like this isn't, this isn't me. I can't, I can't, endorse that book. So, <laughs> so we're, we're not going to go ahead and do that. So I'm going to write it myself. Uh, so I have the book in front of me and I'm going to read what term pro means because I didn't write it actually the term term pro. Like I came up with it because I heard my friend, Adrian Conway tell an athlete at a brute strength camp. The guy's like, what do I got to do if I want to have this problem and this problem? And Adrian's like, dude, you need to turn pro. Like you need to decide you're a professional athlete and then start living the life of one, then you'll become one. And I have, right after he said that, I was like, can I take that? Can I take that? <laughs> and then people started asking me like, oh yeah, you must've read like Stephen Pressfield's turning pro book. I said, no, what's that? I was using it for like a year and a half because I learned it from Adrian. But Larry, who's on our team, Larry Geyer at Larry the Human on Instagram, he wrote like the term, the definition of term pro, and it's a verb. It's the courageous commitment to one's own fulfillment via personal and professional excellence in service to a worthwhile cause greater than oneself. Mm. So when we say term pro, that's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. To me, it's like, uh, level up, step up your game, try to become, you know, obviously more professional in everything that you do. And this could be, you know, as an athlete, uh, one thing that we talked about, I had, um, Tia, Tia's coach Shane on the podcast. And one of the things he talked about was what he learned from Tia and Matt was their ability to become more professional and that set them apart from other competitors. And I asked what that meant. And it meant, you know, day in and day out, everything was very particular, the way they set up the gym, the way they went through their workouts, everything was very professional. And he said that was a huge catalyst to becoming the competitors and the athletes that they are today. So I'm curious as a, if we stick in this show of personal trainers and CrossFit coaches, Dr. Sean, what does turning pro look like in a more specific sense? On Thursday night last week, uh, a gentleman named Dave, who I like, he's a new friend of mine. Uh, him and his wife had decided to go out 
and they wanted to invite myself and my wife. So he sent me the last minute text. He's like, hey, we're going to be at Minnesota's, which is a bar in town. He's like, come join. And I wanted to go because I, I frankly, I don't make friends easily because it, you need to try, you need to be on a pursuit of trying to be a better version of yourself for me to enjoy being around you. Mm-hmm. I find that not everybody is doing that. And that's not a judgment. It's just, I know what I like and what I don't like. And I wanted to go. I had things to do on Friday morning. And so it wasn't like the, the thought of maybe I should lasted for 0.01 seconds. And I texted him back, you know, Dave, I really appreciate the invite. I hope you invite me in the future. I got stuff on the docket for tomorrow and I can't make it. And it, it seems like a simple little like, yeah, well, anyone would say no one at work night, but I wouldn't have always said no one at work night. And then the other side of it is, how do you feel after you say no to that? Right? How do you feel afterwards? Do you beat yourself up all night? Are you sad about it? Are you a little whiny, complainy person the next day because you didn't get to have fun last night? Like, no, this is, I, I have a job to do tomorrow. There are people who are going to be depending on me tomorrow. I'm going to show up and be the best version of myself tomorrow. This is not in the cards tonight. And that was that. It was gone. Another example is I promised our team at Active Life that I would be a better communicator to them about two and a half years ago. Because I'm a guy who's like, go, 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 go. I'll tell you what we're doing when we get there. And that doesn't work for everybody else. So I started sending out Monday morning emails every Monday morning to let them know this is what we did last week. These are the people who stood out last week in the company. These are the problems that we ran into. This is how we overcame them. This is what I'm working on. This is how you all are affecting me. I started sending those Monday morning emails about two and a half years ago. And unless there's a Monday holiday, they get an email every Monday morning, like clockwork. Some of them are long essays. Some of them are three sentences, but they get an email every Monday morning because it makes us better. That's awesome, man. I think that's a huge way to level up. I also look at like some other simple ways. So for me, it's like coaches that show up on time and by on time, you're early coaches that are wearing a uniform. You guys have talked about that. Um, Coaches that look presentable. I think some of those little things, although maybe they get glossed over, sometimes could be the most important. Well, that's in the second chapter of the book. It's, it's all about earning trust on purpose and, and looking the part. It's, it's not like you don't get a, hey, great job wearing a uniform today. You're expected to wear a uniform. You're expected to have your hair groomed. You're expected to smell neutral to good. You're expected to be there early enough that you can, I don't like, I don't like the 15 minutes, 10 minutes, but I like the early enough that you can have all of the preparatory work for the task you're about to do done with time to greet people when they get to the gym. Mm -hmm. However long that takes, do it. Mm -hmm. I used to have a magazine that I wrote articles for and they they would try to pay me by the hour. I was like, I'm not taking an hourly pay. I wrote this book in three days. I'm not gonna take an hourly pay. I'm gonna take a per article pay. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Well, you know, we don't do that. I said, Well, what's the most, what's what's the most hours that somebody bills for an article? I said, 16 is the most that we really approve. I'm like, great. I'll be sending in a bill for 16 hours every time I write an article. <laughs> so and and in that in the same chapter, it's have propriety. It's 
demonstrate commonality. Do it on purpose. Like part of being a pro is finding things you have in common with other people. Mm. Execute, you know, show credibility so that you can demonstrate to somebody that I know what I'm talking about. And not because I'm speaking over your head, but because I'm speaking in a way that makes it easy for you to understand and jump into the idea that I want you to understand and jump into. Mm-hmm. And finally, demonstrate intent. And that's the hardest one to execute because it's, it's all the time. It's constant. It's, it's, you, you know, it's like J.J. Watt says, you know, it's not owned, it's rented, and rent is due every day. Intent is the same thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's all part of being a pro. And so another part of being a, being a pro, and this is kind of what the book is around is, is about sales and having career fulfillment. And I think when people hear sales, they hear money, they want to shy away. We've talked about this before. You've talked about this numerous times on your channels, just about how money isn't supposed to be taboo and it's supposed to be more normalized, if you will. Why do you think, let's to start the conversation of money and sales, why do you think there is such a, I don't know, sleazy mentality when it comes to sales and why are, why are personal trainers and coaches? is scared to talk about money. There's a few things to that. And I think that it's unique for everybody. The the reason that I struggled with it when I struggled with it was I couldn't look at somebody in the face who was dealing with something difficult in their life and then add to it by asking them to give me their money. Mm -hmm. Because my perception was this person's already struggling. Like there are charities for people who are struggling like this person. I don't want to ask them for their money on top of it. Like they're already in pain. That's where it started for me. And I had to overcome that. The other side of it is it's much easier to look at people who have money and label them negatively to justify the reasons why you don't have any then it is to say, I wonder what that person's doing that I could learn so that I could have money like they do. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you wouldn't do with it what they do with it. You know, and, and I think it's chapter five, we talk about money and it's the idea of if, if you and Jeff Bezos are both trying to solve world hunger today, who would have more of an opportunity to do it in a snap? Mm-hmm. Well, instead of just saying Jeff Bezos is a bad guy, how did he make all of that money? Because if you made it, what would you do with it? Well, that would be really good for the world, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. So go get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, total shift in mindset for people to understand. And I think the best um, trainers, coaches out there, they don't have a hard time asking for money. And that's something that we talk about or you talked about in this book. And it definitely gives me, after I, after I read it, a boost of confidence when it comes to just the idea of talking about money. I think one of the best things you can do as a coach is to have the conversations with anybody. Maybe it's not clients or just just be more forthcoming about talking about finance and money. And I want to talk, I want to open up the foundation, the, the first topics of the book that I really enjoyed was the foundational principles of sales. And the quote I thought was super interesting. You highlighted it a couple of times was no one cares about being fit. No one buys fitness. All that people care about is being able to feel the way they believe fit people feel. Can you unpack that? Yeah. Nobody, nobody really cares about having a six pack. Nobody really cares about having a tight ass. It's what can I do with my life because I have a six pack? What can I do with my life because I have a tight ass? That's what people want. 
if all of a sudden society shifted back to the 1600s where it was in, where it was vanity to be fat, everybody would want to be fat again. <laughs> you know, it used to be that if you were muscular, thin, and tan, it meant that you could not afford to stay inside while muscular, thin, tan people did all of the work necessary on your land. It was undesirable to be muscular, thin, and tan. It was desirable to be pale and heavy. Hmm. So we've shifted. Society has shifted. And I think, you know, in a healthier direction where it seems desirable to be that way. The thing is, it's not the, the physical body or, you know, the, the, it's, just, it's not the physical body. It's not the expression of the fitness. No one cares how many pull-ups you can do. What it comes down to is you want the praise. People want the freedom. They want to be able to get laid. They want to be able to show up to work in a nice suit and be like, yeah, I'm the man. They want to be able to strut down the sidewalk and turn heads because it gives them attention and attention is currency. Nobody cares about actually being fit. It's, I want to live longer. I want to be able to do things with my kids. I want to be the grandfather who's cool, who plays around in the woodshed and who drives the car fast. That's what people are after. And they believe, and I think that they're right in a lot of ways, that fitness is the path to that. But nobody cares about the fitness. They mm. care about what the fitness brings. Yeah, super fascinating. So as coaches, how do we, because we are the type of people that love the gym, we're in the gym, we have clients that we're training in the gym, but what you're saying is it's more than just fitness. How can coaches kind of change that mindset to become more successful knowing that the client maybe doesn't care about fitness. They want to believe how fit people actually feel. How can we switch that mindset? Ask fucking ask. Like, Coaches need to get more involved in their clients' lives. And I don't mean that in a show up at the barbecue and take the, you know, slap the food out of their mouth. You need to know why your clients are really there. And you need to find that out in, in many conversations. Too many coaches think it's the ask why seven times in the first conversation. Now you know that person. That person doesn't trust you enough on the first conversation to tell you all of the things. It's many conversations. It's why, do, why, why are you coming in today late? Oh, I, this, 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 this. How do we fix that? How do we make it so that that's not a problem? Instead of you're late, give me 20 burpees. It's you're late. What led to you being late? How do we change that? Because if you're a real coach, you're creating the environment that allows the person to do the things necessary to get the fitness that gets them the life that they want. Mm. It's many conversations. It's talking to people at the coffee shop. It's talking to members at social events. It's following them on social media. It's actually knowing what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. That's what it takes. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you can use those things in conversation to keep them inspired. This is a conversation we've had quite often in, on the podcast, so it's interesting that's getting brought up again, but I think it's, it just stresses the importance of knowing why you're doing what you're doing and having the, the, the intent of just, you know, I think a lot of people, Sean, they show up to the gym for, we talked about this with James Fitzgerald, they talk, they'd show up at the gym and for 10 years in a row on Mondays, they sit on the bench press and they just do the bench press on Monday because that's what society told them to do. And then 10, 20, even 30 years go by before they start even having the conversation of why am I doing? 
doing this? Why am I here? Who, who am I trying to impress? And, and then there comes fruitful conversation and answers. Once you start to reflect on why am I doing what I'm doing? Ton of value in that. Well, we support both boutique gyms, coaches, and commercial gyms. Sure. And when I, when I talk to a commercial gym owner, it's a little bit different because to them, it's, it's why is somebody coming in? Who is the client that you want? And, and oftentimes they don't know. They're like, I don't know. We have everything. Like we have, you know, 75,000 square feet. So we have a pool, we have a basketball court, we have a weight room, we have a yoga room, we have, they have everything. And what, what I explained to them is the person who comes to your gym, who walks straight over to the elliptical, who stays on it for 45 minutes and then leaves and does the same thing every day. They're wearing out a path from the front door to the elliptical. If another gym in town opens up and it's less expensive and they have the same elliptical, why should that person keep coming to your gym? Totally. That's understanding your client. It's really understanding what do we provide to people above the equipment, above the coaching, above all of it. That's, that's important. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the, those foundational principles. So I'll walk through each one, Sean, and then maybe you can talk a little bit about what they mean. So the first principle for the foundational principles of sales in your book is principle one is only and always sell to the people in the market for what you have. Can you unpack that? Yes. Our first rule, we always go back to rule number one, only sell to people who are in the market for what you do and always sell to people who are in the market mm-hmm. for what you do. What this means is the person who is going to be buying from you wants what you have to offer. It means avoiding stretching what you have to offer to bring people in. It means instead of if somebody came to you, for example, and said, I want to be a pro baseball player, you need to be honest with them that we can provide you with a fitness base. That's it. If you're looking for a fitness base and that's going to help you get to the pros, then we're a good place for you to sign up. Mm. If you're looking for baseball specific training, this is not the gym for you. That person's not in the market if they say, okay, thank you. And they walk out and you didn't lose a client. That wasn't a client. It would be the same as if somebody walked into your gym and said, I'm looking to buy chocolate chip muffins. Oh, well, we don't have chocolate chip muffins. (laughs) You also don't have sports-specific training unless you're a sports-specific training gym. Look at them like chocolate chip muffins and send them to somebody who has chocolate chip muffins. Now, the other side of that is if they're in the market for it, they might tell you something like, I really want to join here. This is exactly what I'm looking for, but this is it's a lot of money. It's your duty to sell them. It's your responsibility to help them understand the value of the business so that they actually get what they wanted to get when they walked into the building. Mm -hmm. They weren't thinking about money when they walked into the building. They were thinking about what they believe fit people can do. Mm -hmm. And they told you, and you believe that you can help them get that. And now they're letting money get in the way. Mm -hmm. You need to ask yourself, will they be able to get that somewhere else? Because once they leave here, they're going somewhere else. If the answer is maybe, you have to live with, okay, well, maybe this person isn't going to get what they what they want. Mm-hmm. And it's not their responsibility to prioritize it. It's your responsibility to demonstrate the value so that they decide to prioritize it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you a brief story 
and then you can get to principal two. Um, we had a client one time who called to sign up three times. The first time I didn't sell her. I felt bad about it, but whatever, it was what it was. Second time, I couldn't sell her. It was inappropriate. She needed surgery. This is a, a client for one-on-one coaching. And that's the week that I was like, I'm going to figure out how to never have this happen again because I feel like I let this person down. And the third time this woman calls, her name is Brittany, she was hysterical crying on the other side of the phone. And it was a 15-minute call that we scheduled. I stayed on the phone with her for an hour and a half until she paid because I wasn't going to let her go back to the life that I knew that she was going to live if she didn't enroll. Mm -hmm. I knew we could help her. Three years later, she's still a client. She says she'll be a client for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. What about, Sean, the people that I'm thinking about the trainer right now that's listening and they know it might not be a fit, whether that's um, they can't help them because they don't offer the service they're looking for, or maybe, Sean, it's just they don't emotionally jive. They're just kind Mm -hmm. of, I I couldn't imagine working out with this person for an hour type thing. Tell me about why is it so important for you as a young trainer to be able to let those people go and to tell yourself that, you know what, this just isn't a fit when at the same time, you're probably hungry for clients and maybe you can put up with it for an hour. Can you stress that importance? As a young trainer, I would say, take that client because you actually don't even know who you jive with. You think this person has this emotional thing that I don't connect with well. And then you might find out like, this is my favorite client. Mm -hmm. I had, I had that client. Her name was Jen Schwartz, Equinox 2005. Jen Schwartz, her husband made boatloads of cash, right? Boatloads of cash investing in foreign markets. So when the US economy went down, his bank account went up. Um, And when the US economy was up, he was doing just fine. Mm -hmm. And she was very much like somebody who I didn't feel like I could relate to at all because she had a ton of money. She grew up with money. She, the problems in her life were just (laughs) not problems I related to. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I ended up signing her up as a client and she was so much fun and she really did get it. And she understood that the life that she lived was not a life that people could relate to. And she was empathetic to that. And she was one of the kindest, most giving, most uh, supportive people I've ever worked with. And she became a really good friend of mine when she was a client. I, if, if I was judging people right off the bat, by do I think I can help this person? Do I want to help this person? When I was a young trainer, I would have said no to her. And Mm. she influenced my career. Mm. Now, once you've worked with people for a long enough period of time, you do start to understand who are the people who you jive with, who are the people who you don't jive with. And at this point, this is when Larry, who edited the book for me, who helps me with sales, he and I are the, we train together all the time. He likes to say, look at this person like they're the last one you can sign up. This is the last person that you can sign up. Mm-hmm. Is it the one you want? If it's not, don't sign them up. If it is, take them as a client. You need to be in a place though, where you understand how to get the next client. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the reason why trainers and gym owners don't like to tell clients no. It's the reason why they don't like to tell, you know, this is the program, I'm sorry. This is the class times, I'm sorry. This is the price. I'm sorry. This is, you know, you're not a fit for this gym. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yep. They don't like to do that because they're not sure where the next client is going to come from. Yes. And so anyone who walks through the door, it's like, I got to sign this one up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. So 
uh, principle number one, always only and always sell to the people in the market for what you have. I think that also that also requires you to know what do you have. And like you said, you're not going to know that maybe very early on, but after a few years in the industry, you should be able to know what are you good at? What can you service really well? Who are the type of people that you want to work with? Very good. Uh, principle number two, everything is a sale. Yeah, it is. Let's hear it. It, it, this goes to going out to dinner with your significant other, if you have one, all the way to somebody buying a service from you that's thousands of dollars. It's all about getting what you believe is best for everybody. Everything, a sale is, a simple definition of a sale is it's a transfer of trust. Trust me, this is a good idea. That's it. If, I, if everybody who walked into your gym could just sit across from you and say, Trust me, you should sign up. We're going to be able to help you. That's the dance that you're playing with everything in between. You want them to say, okay, I do trust you. I think I can get, that's it. The whole thing is a transfer of trust. So every conversation in your life is a transfer of trust. It's you're either gaining trust or losing trust. And you're either selling somebody or you're being sold. And it, neither way is, is wrong. Every conversation though, is an intentional opportunity to gain trust if you take it that way. Mm. That's what I mean by everything is a sale. You ask a member to lighten the weight on the bar so that their technique can be better. That's a sale. To, to a coach, it's like, oh, that's not a sale. That's just coaching. Mm -hmm. No, that's a sale. They need to believe I can trust you. It'll be better if I do that. What are the, what's at risk for them? Well, ego, um, doing something uncomfortable having to do a bunch of reps before they're allowed to get back to what they thought they already had. There's a lot at risk. They need to trust you that it's a good idea. The only difference is instead of, Hey, take some weight off the bar. It's, Hey, pay me $3,000 and we can get this thing started. Right. I don't think I should do that. Well, you should trust me. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But if, you, if anyone said, trust me, it's good in a sale, you'd be like, I'm out of here. <laughs> no kidding. That would be the do not say those words uh, right. for the, for, so, so creating that trust. The first thing I think of Sean is um, credibility. I think that's, that's probably a big one, right? If somebody has been doing this for a long time, that helps a lot. What are some other ways when you're trying to uh, you know, everything is a sale. If we're trying to uh, create a little bit more certainty with the client, what are some ways we can create some trust other than credibility? What comes to mind? Well, we talked about it earlier a little bit. There's four things that you need to do to gain trust on purpose. Have high propriety. So look, smell, appear the part. Show credibility. Find commonality. And demonstrate intent. If you do those four things all the time, you are going to gain people's trust on purpose. Very cool. The other thing I would add to that is stop treating people the way that you want to be treated. People don't want to be treated how you want to be treated. Treat people how they want to be treated. And that's a hard thing to understand. It's a hard thing to do. It was really hard for me when I learned because I was like, I treat everybody exactly how I want to be treated. And my mentor at the time said, yeah, and that's why nobody likes you. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, nobody wants to be treated the way that you do. No one, like Most people don't like to be told that was bad. Most people don't like to be told, do it this way. Most people don't like to be told, I expect you to be here at six o'clock or we're not doing this. You do like that stuff, Sean. And that's great. Treat other people how they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that comes back to asking the questions, getting to know the client. I think about, you know, I've been coaching CrossFit classes for almost eight years and it seems like it's just more and more time and more and more time spent with these people is the best way for me to be able to figure out how they want to be coached. Because some of my clients and members at the gym want to be told that was a shitty rep. If I said that to another person, they might leave. And so it's just the understanding of that. And I, but I think the best way to gain that understanding is to get to know them as much as you can. And honestly, time is probably probably the best thing when it comes to this, unless you have something else to add on how to get to know them a little bit better on how they want to be coached. Well, it's, it's, it's aggressive patience. It's, it's having patience. It's giving the time and it's doing the work in the time to get the information that you need to be effective. So for, let, let's, let's say, for example, there's a member in your gym who you're struggling to coach. Mm -hmm. It's not going to get easier just because you wait. It would be valuable for you to go over to that person and say, you know, I've been trying to help you with this. And if I'm being honest, I've struggled. How can I coach you better to understand this movement? That's, that's aggressive patience. Now, in order to say that to somebody, you need to be willing to put yourself second. Mm -hmm. You need to be willing to say, I don't, I lack the skills to help this person. And I want to help this person. And the best person to help me help this person is this person. So the person who's trusting me to be the authority in the room, I have to walk over and say, I don't have the skills to help you. Would you please help me help you? Mm. Yeah. That's, that speeds time up. And hopefully they respond with something like, what could they oh. say? Yeah. I just, I don't, respond really well to verbal cues. So whenever you tell me this, it's cool, but like, I don't get it. Or you tell me like, whenever you coach me, you tell me a lot of things and I can't keep them all in my head. It's like, oh, okay. Well, word economy. Hey, you know, you come over and you show me all the time what you want. And I'm like, that's great, but I don't move like that. So they're going to give you a piece of information that's going to hopefully provide some revelation that, oh, wow. That is pretty obvious. I don't know why I missed that. And now you can do it. And the best part is you can start to apply that to other people who you're struggling to help at the same time. And it makes you a better coach. Totally. And I think every coach listening to this can think of a member right now. I know I can. That is, it's hard to coach this person, if, if, if not a few people at your gym, depending on how big it is. So I think there's a ton of value there's a ton of value in having a conversation with them. And I also think we, we can both agree here that the easier thing to do would be to just kind of shove it aside, kind of not coach them, not really talk to them. And then before you, we know it six to 12 months, they're probably out the door and you're like, man, maybe I kind of, I could have prevented that. So this goes back to turn pro, right? It kind of revolves around all the things that we're talking about, but the professional coach will take the time to have the conversation, the tough conversation, ask them, how can I help you rather than kind of shove them to the side and then kind of slowly escort them out the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then blame them. Oh, they were uncoachable. No coach. You lack the skills. Mm. Awesome. Uh, so principle number two, everything is a sale. Principle number three, this is a big one to me. And I uh, have a lot of notes on this one in the book, but there is a cost to action. And then the, the quote I wrote down from your book is the best salespeople focus more on the cost of inaction than the cost of action. I think this is really valuable. Can you open that up? Yeah. This goes back to that Brittany story I told you before, you know, that Brittany's the one-on-one -on -one client I was talking about. The cost of action is how do I get this person to buy? 
you know, it's, it's what do they need to be able to do? What is the cost to them to purchase? Money, time, belief, sacrifice, um, tears in her case, right? Like deep, hard emotions to go through. Me having to sit in that shit of a woman crying on the phone telling me she can't afford this. It's going to break up her marriage. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I knew what we could do. And the more important thing is I knew what would happen if she didn't enroll. And so I wasn't thinking about the things it would take me to get her to enroll. Mm -hmm. All I had to think about was what happens if she doesn't? And so a really easy way to think about this is if you were walking by a house in your neighborhood and it was on fire and you look up and there was somebody in the house who didn't notice that it was on fire, how far would you be willing to go to get them out of the house? Pretty damn far. And, but why? Why? Because, because, you, because beyond that, mm-hmm. it's because you know what happens if you don't take action. That person burns alive in their house. That is a scary thought. You're going to call the police. You're going to throw rocks at the window. And finally, you might just jump inside of that house and grab this person out. Mm-hmm. So you would do that because you understood the cost of inaction. If you were thinking about the cost of action, it would be, I don't know, they're going to be annoyed. What if they don't listen? What if they don't trust me? What if what what? If what? Mm-hmm. The cost of inaction is that person burns alive in a house. Now, if somebody showed up at your gym, let's make it more real. If somebody showed up at your gym and said, I'm 150 pounds overweight. My doctor told me that I need to get a fitness habit or I'm going to die. I have a daughter who's six and I really want to see her walk down the aisle if she chooses to get married. I'm thinking about joining your gym. Oh, that's expensive. Well, now if you're thinking about the cost of action, you are failing to recognize what happens to this person if they don't enroll. And there's a reality that they could go find someplace else and get all the great results. That's certainly possible. But the way that I look at it is, if not you, then who? They showed up for you. They're in front of you right now. You have an opportunity to break this streak. You have an opportunity to help this person. If you don't, this person who got themselves into this situation, who is making a decision about joining your gym or not based on their education and their experience and their beliefs around money and fitness, those are the same beliefs that got them to the situation that they're in. If you let them walk out the door, you let those beliefs drive them to the next place. It's not about whether it's a priority for them. They don't understand the value until you've explained it. Mm-hmm. And you need to understand the cost of them not enrolling. And then keep that in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. That will allow you to sell and get over the, I feel pushy. I feel sleazy asking this person for money. If, they're, if, if we follow rule number one, they're in the market. You can help them. Now we go to, okay, well, what's the cost of them not enrolling? Now it just takes skills to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. This is a big mind shift, mindset shift for me, Sean. And it, it, it played a big role in my coaching right away because 
to me, I had a, it was a moment uh, two days ago where I had a client, we were doing air squats and the, their ankles and knees were kind of caving in at the bottom of each rep. And of course, we're doing a high intensity workout. The easy thing for me to do would be just to walk away. They're doing their thing. I'm not going to break this down and we'll talk about it after or maybe we won't. But instead, I had your thought in mind of, you know, they don't they can't afford to keep repeating that movement over and over and over again in that fashion. And so instead, I stopped this person, show them how to do it in the middle of the workout, which as most coaches know is the hardest time to do it. And because of that, they're able to change their movement pattern. And it was the thought of, I can't let them afford to keep doing this over and over again. So yes, mm-hmm. we're talking about a, a person that's way overweight, like like your analogy, but it's also something very minute and small when we see faults in the gym and being able to correct that because they can't afford to keep committing that same fault over and over again. It's withdrawing from a bank account that you can't track. Mm. We don't know when they're going to run out of money. Except instead of money, it's it's joint integrity. Mm-hmm. We don't know when that person's knee is going to be like, oh, this really hurts. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It's the same thing. And, and the, the, the cost of an action, you have to take it all the way down the road. What happens if that person runs into knee pain? And then what happens if that person has to leave the gym because mm-hmm. their knee hurts them so bad that they can't continue to come in? Who are their friends that they're friends with because they're a part of this environment? Do they lose those friends? What kind of what, what habit do they get to replace the habit of coming to this gym every day? What happens to all of the what's the cost? What's the cost? What's the cost? If you can keep your mind in that frame, you're going to help more people. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk, we're going to talk more about money and, and objections later, but something that just kind of comes to mind is if somebody says, you know, I, I can't afford the gym, whether it's financial or just because of my time, the response to me sometimes and most times is you can't afford not to do these things. And uh, the, there's a common post, I don't know if it was you or somebody put out where it's like, you know, yes, one-on-one coaching is important or sorry, one-on-one coaching is very expensive, but do you know the alternative, how much sickness mm-hmm. is, how much bills are, how much those things are much more expensive. Yeah. And, and that was us. The thing that, well, I'm sure a lot of people will put that out, but we put it out as well. The other thing about that though, is somebody isn't necessarily going to agree with you when you say you cannot afford this, you know, Hey, I'm here because I want to just get in better shape. Wow. That's expensive. Yeah. Um, I, I can't afford that. Well, you cannot afford it. Well, I mean, I can, because I'll go for a run. I'll do some push-ups. I'll join the $10 gym. I'm fine. I'm self-motivated. I'm a self-starter. I'm disciplined. I'll follow a program from the internet. I'm, I can't afford it. So what it comes down to in that situation is understanding why. Why has that person decided I can't afford this or I shouldn't afford this really? I would take out the word can't okay. always and mm-hmm. decided this person decided that they shouldn't figure out how to afford this. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, we'll get to it later on. We're talking about money and objections, but overall that's going to come down to, oh, they don't think it's valuable. Mm-hmm. They don't think it's worth it. There, there's an experiment that was done. I had a gentleman on my podcast who talked about this, where experimenters asked people, we're going to flip a coin. You have to bet a dollar. If the coin lands on heads, you pay us. If it lands on tails, we'll pay you. Are you in? No. A dollar and a penny. We'll pay you a dollar and a penny. Are you in? No. A dollar two? No. A dollar and a quarter? No. It wasn't until they got to two dollars, two to one, Mm. that people would actually take the bet. Casinos run on fractions of a single percentage point and make billions of dollars. And they flip that coin all day long and they laugh their way to the bank. But people need two to one. 
So when somebody says, I can't afford that, what they're really saying is that's not worth twice as much as it costs. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. We're going to get into that stuff. I'm excited to in a bit here. So, so number three is the cost to action. Number four is the cost to inaction. I think we cover that too. Just the importance of not being able to do anything and standing by even as a coach or a trainer. Uh, so then number five, principle number five out of five is it's always about your client and it's always your responsibility. Mm-hmm. The number one thing for me that is frustrating when I, when I try to help people who are new is when they come with a victim mentality. Yeah. Now, I accept that you showed up, which means that you understand that that mentality is not necessarily the best one for you. And you're looking for somebody to help you break it and credit to you for making that decision. Now we have to actually do it. It's, it's, it's one thing to show up. It's another thing to do the work. And if you believe that it's not your responsibility, then you're always going to find a reason to blame somebody else. When I broke up with my first business partner, who was also a good friend of mine from elementary school, for a while, I looked at it like it's his fault. And if you looked at it on paper, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, you're right. A lot of that is his fault. Um, But it wasn't until I realized all that needed to happen was I needed to do one thing wrong one day that I didn't even notice it was so small that could trigger the avalanche that came after that. Or I could not do the one thing the one day that could have stopped the avalanche. And I had a role in it. So what was my role? I'm not 100% sure, but I know I had a role in it. It was too long ago for me to go back and look at all of the events. It's my responsibility at all times, in all situations, with friends, with my wife, with my kids, with our clients. If they're unhappy or if they're not getting what they want out of something, what is my responsibility to better provide? How could I do a better job? And there comes a time in relationships where you decide it's not worth the energy. Yeah, it's my responsibility. I could do a better job, but I don't want to. That's okay. It's understanding that you could have done a better job and you decided that it wasn't in your priority set to do it. That's much different than they just didn't make it a priority. Yeah. And it, to me, it's, it's taking ownership, right? It's stepping up. It's being, it's being that, tur- that professional turning pro and taking ownership of who you are as a coach and not just blaming people. We talked about earlier, if somebody leaves the gym, oh, it's, you know, it's their fault. They just didn't fit in. No, th- th- take some responsibility and know that if something's going on, it's your fault because you're the coach. Yes. A hundred percent. And you either coached it or tolerated it. Mm. That's yeah. it. And, and, and it's easy for me to say this on a podcast. It's harder to do it in real life. And I, I acknowledge that. I'm not perfect. I've most, I just gave an example where I screwed up. And I've most definitely had clients who I'm like, I didn't do as good of a job for that client as I could have. And I lost them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's human. What's important is that you understand and you reflect on what didn't I do for that client? How could I have done a better job for that client? So you don't lose another client for the same reason. Mm-hmm. You're always going to lose the next client. It's how do you not lose the next client for a reason that you've lost a client in the past? Mm-hmm. 
Very cool. So those are our foundational principles of sales. Next thing I want to talk about is the guides and the qualifying process. And I, I, I really enjoyed this uh, part of the book, I think, because I enjoy talking about sales, talking about money and finance and those types of things. Um, and so let's first start with the uh, six questions to scheduling a sales conversation. You and Larry have done a couple of videos on this, and I think it's really valuable to just understand how coaches can try to get more one-on-one sessions in a gym. So our first question, we'll kind of break it down just like we did the principles if that's okay with you. The first one is, is that true? Can you t- talk about what is, is that true mean? Yeah. And I want to back up the, the record a little bit. This sure. is also how you get a gym owner gets a client to join. Mm. It's also how you get your wife to go for Chinese food instead of Italian. Like it, it, it's the same principles are the same. So is that true? Is the first question that we like to teach people to ask in qualifying. What this is, is we're identifying rule number one. Is this person in the market for what we have? That's what these six questions are for. It, if they're in the market, the sleaze is gone, unless you lie to them. The pushiness is gone. They need your help. They came for help. Sales is a coaching call. So question number one is, is that true? Is you identifying that the problem that they said they have is the problem that they have? Somebody says, I want to lose weight. Got it. So you mentioned that you want to lose 20 pounds. Is that true? And it sounds ridiculous to repeat exactly what somebody said. But especially in 2021, when the attention spans of TikTok are running the world, hearing what somebody said and being able to repeat it is a big deal. Plus, it makes them feel good, I think, because they're using you're using their words. It's almost like when somebody uses your name, people kind of like hearing their own name. Mm-hmm. To, to, to me, it's similar. Yeah. Well, so so I'll give you an example in the, in the class. You walk over to somebody and they're, they're struggling to do their deadlifts, to keep rounding their back. And you walk over and you say, hey, are you struggling with that deadlift? That's a version of, is that true? It's, I noticed that you were struggling with that. I'm asking you, are you struggling with that? And if you say no, I'm like, oh, okay, well, great, I'll move on. <laughs> if they say yes, like, oh, okay, that is true. And then we go to question number two. Right. So question number two is, how long has this been an issue or a problem for you? Yeah, how long have you been struggling with that for? Mm-hmm. How long has that been a problem? The reason we do that is some, we want to avoid fleety people. You want to avoid people who are just, you know, spur of the moment idea, who you're going to invest a lot of time and effort into, who are not going to be there for that time and effort, potentially. If somebody calls us and says, I'm looking to get out of back pain. Great. Um, so you're dealing with some back pain. Is that true? Yes. Okay. How long has it been a problem? Woke up this morning with my back bothering me. That's not a client. That's not a client for us. Not necessarily, unless they've had that a lot of times in the past. So we, the second question is, let's identify how long they've been dealing with it and let them recognize this has been a problem for a while. This isn't the fluke. Mm. Number three is, how have you tried to fix it? I like this question. I like this question too, in a different way of like, if a new member comes in the gym of like, what have you done before this? What, did, what gyms have you been to before this? So uh, in your words, what have, you, what have you tried to fix it? What does that look like? Just like you just said. Okay. So you've had this back pain for two years. What have you tried to improve it? I've been wearing a back brace. I've been warming up extra. I've been sleeping on my side. I got this knee pillow. I did this thing that uh, Kelly Starrett told me to do. Love Kelly. I like to give him a shout out. Um, nothing's working. Okay. So I just want to make sure I understood what you just said. You did this, you did this, you did this, you did this, and they didn't work. Mm-hmm. And as That's a coach, exa- 
as a coach, that's super helpful to know where they've come from too, because this conversation could be short, it could be long, but we also, we always want to know what, how did you get here? What's the process? Have you been working out all your life or have you been working out for three days and now you're trying to j- join a gym? Very different conversation. Yeah. And because it could also be, oh, well, what intention did you bring to it last time you did it? Got it. it it's not necessarily that the thing that they were doing didn't work. You know, it could be that the thing that they were doing works when you do it right. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one follow-up question would be, why do you think blank did did or didn't work? I guess probably didn't yes, so, work. So, so why do you think that's not working for you? Let them tell you why it's not working. Maybe they say, I don't know. Maybe they say, it's just haphazard. It's not organized. It's not, you know, I, I'm not accountable to anybody. So I skip it. it, it they're going to hand you the keys to the golden kingdom on that one. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you can say that's totally reasonable. And some people will say it is working. And you can say, is it working as fast as you would like it to? No. Well, why don't you think it's working as fast as you would like it to? Mm-hmm. The key here to me is that, so the the professional coach would say something like you said, why do you think it didn't work? The unprofessional coach would probably try to slam what they were doing before. And I've, and I've seen this, I've heard this, I probably said at one point in my life, but they said, you know what? I used to do Zumba and it didn't work for me. And then the coach goes, man, Zumba is a bunch of shit. How do you think that, you know, you start you start downplaying other industries. Um, why is it more important to, it's a pretty easy question. Why is it important to ask more questions rather than interject your opinion? There's two reasons why. When you interject your opinion, especially when it disagrees with their choices, what you're saying is, I think you did the wrong thing. Yes. And they're like, um, okay, are you calling me stupid? And that doesn't play out audibly. It plays out in their head though. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem in the first place. The second problem is nobody wants to work with somebody they're going to disagree with all the time. Just find things to agree about. Let them tell you why it's not working and then just say, oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think it just shows uh, immaturity of somebody who is you know, downgrading other, you know, keep that opinion to yourself. Professional coaches aren't going to downplay anything else that's going around because quite honestly, those words get out too. If they go to another gym, they say, Hey man, Dr. Sean was kind of talking shit about you. That, that just get, travels around. I think the industry is a lot smaller than people yeah. want to think. No, nobody punches down. And, and we actually, to bring up Kelly again, uh, I don't run our social media channels anymore. I run my own personal one, but we have staff who run the other ones. And one of our staff members made a post about lacrosse balls and how they don't work to solve the problems that people think that they solve. And the way that she wrote, I understood her intent. The way that she wrote it, her intent wasn't clear. I got a text from Kelly and he's like, Hey, do we have a problem here? And I was like, yes, but not between us and you, the way that the post was made. So I'm going to get that corrected. I apologize. And she will reach out to you as well. And to the coach's credit, who runs the account, Mesa, she rewrote the post to match the intent that she brought. She reached out to Kelly. She apologized to Kelly. They actually ended up meeting a few weeks later. Mm. And everything about it is great. Kelly's a good friend of mine. She's still on staff. People make mistakes. But it, would, it should never be, at least in my opinion, you should never be punching down at people. And people don't. So there's no reason to punch up either. Totally. Uh, the next one is, and this is one of my favorites too, because I think it gets missed a lot and I think it's very telling, but number five is, is this a priority for you? Or is it a, whenever it happens, it happens kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You want to give somebody an A, B there. It's, is it a priority? I don't know. What's a priority? Well, is it this, or is it a, you know, I don't really care when I get these results. Oh no, 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 no. I care. It's definitely a priority mm-hmm. that qualifies somebody as in the market. 
they have just said, yes, I want your help, or yes, I want this solved. Not that I want your help. I want this solved. So if they say it's not a priority, it's whenever it happens, I don't really care. Great. That's good. That actually makes me feel really good. Would it be okay with you if I check back in every few weeks to make sure that you're still feeling the same way? Sure. Mm -hmm. If they say, yes, it's a priority, well, now it's on. Mm -hmm. This is very telling to me because you don't want to assume either way because it could take you down a very long trek of a conversation that you don't want to be a part of. And I think it also says too, like, if it's not a priority for them, then don't make it a priority for you in my, in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. If that, if that's not something they care about, don't, don't make them care about something that just let it go. I think that what you said is perfect. Can I check back in with you in a couple of weeks on it? Sure. Nobody's going to say no to that, but just don't assume either side of the coin. Some people want to be, you know, the funny person who is a little bit overweight who drinks. Sure. Like Burt Kreischer is one of my favorite comedians. He wants to be a yeah. fat guy who drinks beers. Okay. I'm not going to try to convince him that's a bad lifestyle. Right. Um, our last one here is number six of the six questions to scheduling a sales conversation. If I blank, would you? Like to. So if I made some time in my schedule, would you? like to meet with me to see if working together one-on-one could be a fix. If somebody's sitting across from you and they're, they're already a prospect who's walked into the gym, it's great. If we got you started with a membership today, would you like to get started this week? It's if I, would you like to? Mm-hmm. As opposed to what? what? What do most people do? Oh, if I uh, made some time in my schedule, would you be willing to meet with me to see if like I can help you? Mm willing to, Hey, DJ, I have tickets to an incredible concert. I'm not telling you who it is. Would you be willing to come with me? Mm -hmm. Wow. What's the catch? Why am I, why would I be willing to come? Hey, DJ, I have tickets to an incredible concert. Would you like to come? Absolutely. Yeah. You feel the difference? Totally. It's a great way when you're in early training to understand where somebody's mindset is because the person who understands that what I'm doing is making an offer. I'm giving somebody something with this appointment. They would never say willing. The person who feels like they're asking, they're impeding somebody else's lifestyle, they won't say like, they'll say willing. Mm. So it's a really good way to track where somebody is in their evolution as a, as a salesperson mm-hmm. with whether they're saying willing to or like to or any version of their in. Very cool. I like that one. I wrote that down in the book. I'm going to start making sure I say the word uh, like rather than willing. Uh, so uh, one thing going off of that was guides and qualifying. This is the part you did a private kind of a Facebook live on it. I think it's so damn crucial for people and it's the acknowledge, agree, repeat, and pivot. And I think everybody, every coach has been in this situation before where you say the amount of money and then they have an objection. I think most people know that the first person to speak after or in a negotiation loses, right? So I think some people understand this in a different sense, but personal trainers out there might have more of a trouble with this. I want you to unpack, acknowledge, agree, repeat, and pivot. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a lot of money. The common response is, well, it's really not. When you break it down, it's, you know, it's this, it's this, it's saving you money on this. Where are you spending money right now? Let's go through your credit card statement. Let's see how much money you're spending on coffee, on alcohol, on fast food. Like, let's break that down. Oh, you have the money. Stop. Stop. They're not actually telling you it's a lot of money. They're telling you they don't think it's worth it or that they might not think it's worth it. So agree. First, acknowledge, meaning stop, make eye contact, nod your head. Okay. 
any way to acknowledge that you heard what they said. Repeat and agree with what they said. So you're right. This is a lot of money. I agree with you. And then pivot to a question. May I ask you a question? Sure. Like you didn't just tell everybody in the world they've ever said that's a lot of money to has said, well, when you break it down, you're getting a lot of value for the money. You're the first person they've ever met who said, you're right. It is a lot of money. A hundred percent. Can I ask you a question? They're like, uh, yeah, there's no danger here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you can go back to earlier in the conversation. Look, I want to make sure that if I'm even going to talk to you about this more, that it's a fit for you. So I want to go through the things that we talked about earlier and make sure that I understand why you're here. Would that be okay? Yes. Great. You mentioned this, 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 this. Yes. Awesome. And now we're into the next part, which I imagine you're going to bring up, which you might bring up is the four pillars of trust they need to have in order to buy from you. Because it's okay. Well, great. Okay. The four pillars of trust, I'll let you ask the question, but it's, it's going to lead to what are they not sure about? It's leading them to tell you it's too expensive. Yeah. So for the, and I think in the book too, is, is about creating certainty, right? So the four, yes. creating certainty in four ways. Yeah. So your prospects needs to have certainty that your service or product is the best product or service to, for them to solve their problem would be the first mm -hmm. one. Yep. Uh, and then after that, the certainty that your business is the best business for them to work with and the certainty that you're the best person for them to work with. And then certainty that they can actually, you can actually do what they are asking you to do. Yeah. So number one is people assume that because I gave you all this information, because you walked into this gym, you see those weights, you see my certificates on the wall, you see, I have my own podcast. I get this, this MyFit podcast sign in the background. <laughs> I'm obviously a professional. You can trust me. You should buy they think that people are just going to opt in. The other thing is, I already told you how this works. So now you assume that they understood it. And now they're making a decision from a place of understanding. If you look at school grades, people go to class all day long. Then they take a test on what they went to class for, and they still fail. So somebody is sitting across from you who has never been a member of your gym, who's never been through your process. You've told them everything about it. You say, do you want to do it? They say, I don't know. It's a lot of money. And you assume that they understood what you told them. The reality is oftentimes they didn't. So what I like to do is make sure, just to be clear, would you mind explaining to me what it is that you understand you're going to get if you enroll with us? You'd be mind blown by people who are like, yeah, like workouts. Mm. Okay. I apologize. I did a poor job of explaining it to you. That's when you have an opportunity to go back in and build more certainty in, in the process. Let them understand what they're actually buying. Mm -hmm. Then you can ask them again, does that make more sense? Yes. Great. So are you ready to get started or do you still have some more questions? Mm -hmm. um, still not sure. It's still a lot of money. Okay. They're, still, they're lacking certainty either that you can help them, that they can do it, or that your business can be trusted. Mm-hmm. They believe in your process, but they're lacking one of the other three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Remind me the three, there's three that you talked about. It was either in the book or that, or that Facebook live where people could say it's, it's more than I expected. That's a money objection. You're talking about money. Yeah. So, so somebody, somebody says, I don't know, it's a lot of money or that's wow. That's really expensive. A lot of times people like to go to defending the price. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest mistake you could possibly make. 
always avoid defending your position mm-hmm. because that puts you on defense, which puts them also on defense. Mm-hmm. So instead, should we be talking more about the action, the value that we bring, what you're going to be getting out of it? Focus as little as you can on the actual cost, the actual dollar. No, no. I love to put the dollar out there over and over and over again. I love to use it as a, this is really expensive. I will not hide that at all. This is really expensive. Gyms who work with us oftentimes spend over $30,000 a year. That's no joke. So I want to make sure that you understand why before you pay me a cent. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that you believe it's going to be worth at least $60,000 before you pay a cent. So let's make sure we hash it all out Mm -hmm. because this is expensive. Mm -hmm. And before you enroll, you need to agree that it's worth it. Mm -hmm. So the three questions when somebody says it's a lot of money are, instead of defending it, it's seek to understand it better. Let me ask you, is it more than you think you can afford? Not, is it more than you can afford? Is it more than you think you can afford? Two, is it more than you think it's worth? Three, is it just more than you expected? Let them explain to you what they were talking about when they said it's a lot of money. A lot of people will say it's just more than I expected. If you went and defended it, they're like, I wasn't even saying it was too expensive. I'm just saying it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So when they say it's just more than I expected, I'll be like, yeah, okay. I get that a lot. So are you ready to enroll or do you still have some questions? Mm. And if they said it's more than I think I can afford, then we can break that down into, is it more than you think you can afford today? Or is it more than you think you can afford in total? Because we can certainly break these payments up and make it easier for you to pay over time. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yes. If they say, I'm not sure it's worth it, then we go back to, okay, that's fair. And I appreciate your honesty. Mm -hmm. I want to first make sure that the problem that I believe that you have is the problem that you're saying you have. Is this why you came in? Yes. Okay. And if you had 100% certainty that the money I just told you it was going to cost would alleviate that problem, if it was free, would you do it? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Mm. What that means is I've done a poor job of sharing with you the value of what we're going to do, helping you understand the process, and that's on me. Mm-hmm. So is it okay with you if I ask you some questions to figure out where I missed some points so that I can go ahead and explain them to you so that you can be making a decision with more clarity? Totally. Out of those three, Dr. Sean, what do you think uh, is the most common response? Um, the most common response is either one or three. It, I don't think I can afford it or um, it's just more than I expected because oftentimes people aren't going to be willing to tell you the truth. I'm just not sure that it's worth it. Sure. And if it's, and if it's not... Um, if it's if it's more than you think, or sorry, if it's if it's more expensive than you thought, the tricky part, but the confident part, or the confidence coach lets that sit. Yeah, I agree, it is, and that's very different than like what we've been talking about going back to try to provide more value. But I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, and uh, I'll give you a nutrition program on Saturdays. I'll, yeah. Just let it, or or it, let me discount it. I'll discount it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Like no, 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 no. Let because it sit. as soon when you believe it or not, people don't like buying with discounts. When people go to the grocery store with coupons, they don't get an endorphin rush 
by pulling the coupon out. They, they do when they see the savings on the screen. That's why the grocery stores do that. But they don't get the endorphin rush pulling the coupon out. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's one of the reasons why grocery stores went to, do you have a card with us? Do you have a phone number? They don't have to pull, a, they don't have to pull seven coupons out of their pocket. Mm-hmm. So they avoid the, the negative feeling and then they just get the, this was great. I'm shopping you all the time, but you don't want to give people a discount. Mm-hmm. Couple other last things here as we wrap up in the book. I, I enjoyed this part too because they're just quick little things that everybody can take away as quick tips and tricks for sales. Um, let's just go through these quick and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, the first one is what we just talked about say the price and then shut the F up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. P- people love to say the price and then their insecurity comes out and they start to justify it. So that's going to be $4,000. And the reason why it's $4,000 is because you're getting a lot of value. Let me break it down for you. Okay, so what you're telling me, the buyer, is the number doesn't stand on its own. I need to be sold into it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's four thousand dollars. Number two, uh, sit on the same side of the table. Yes, if you're sitting across a desk from somebody, your adversaries. It's 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 there is an object in between the two of you that you cannot get around to solve a problem. So I like to either sit side sit somebody or sit on the same side and have nothing between us. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, mirror the client, whether it's speed, tone, verbiage, try to mirror their uh, personality or who they are. Yes. So mirroring the client means repeat their words. It means if they're a slow talker, avoid talking really fast. You're going to overwhelm them. It does not mean if they put their, if they scratch their head, you scratch your head. If they lean back, you lean back. It means match their energy. That's all. Um, Next one was use the word and instead of the word, but. When you use the word, but you are negating everything that you just said. Something that Mark England taught me from vocabulary. Mm -hmm. If you use the word, but if I said to you, DJ, love your new haircut, but you're like, I'm just listening to whatever you're going to say next. Yeah. You're like, Oh, what doesn't he like about my haircut? If I say, DJ, I love your new haircut. And it looks cool in headphones. You're like, all right, that's cool. He likes my haircut in headphones. If I say, DJ, I like your new haircut, but it looks awesome in headphones. Yeah. You're going to be like, okay, I wonder if he thinks, like, does it look good without the headphones? Right. Like, what's the thing? Right. Very cool. Avoid, avoid butts unless you want to negate what you just said. Stop sending prices ahead of time. Yes. Um, if you send people price ahead of time and you're not very skilled and very, um, I do this all the time and I still make mistakes. When you send price ahead of time, people are forced to make decisions about whether or not they want to spend that much money on you without understanding what they're spending that money on. Or meeting you because it could be on a a website, right? 100%. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, I don't even send people links to buy. And I made this mistake yesterday. A client was like, look, I I just want to tell my partner we're doing this before we do it. And he's not free for 40 minutes. And I know you're in another meeting. If you send me the link, it's going to come through in an hour. I was like, all right. Send it to him. Didn't come through in an hour. Now I got to chase if I want this person to sign up. Mm-hmm. I don't chase. So that sucks. He should be signing up. He should be a client. I still make the mistake myself. Avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, avoid spam. Yeah. People don't want to see your random crap over and over and over again. 
follow-up should never be like, hey, are we still working on this? Hey, is this going to happen? Hey, what's the deal? Follow-up should be, hey, I was thinking about you. Here's something I think might help. Be intentional. If you send everybody the same crap, everybody's going to see right through it. Uh, Two more here. Posture is key. Make sure your hands are visible. Hands below the table. It's subliminal. I'm hiding something. Mm -hmm. Let people see your hands. They're not in danger. You're not going to be attacking them. There's no gun. There's no knife. Not that they're thinking that. The brain, though, goes to what are they hiding? Mm. So let them see your hands. And if you have good, confident posture, people are going to believe you. Mm-hmm. Last one here. Uh, very, very pivotal one here. Provide strong boundaries with payment, communication, expiration dates, et cetera. You want people to understand what they're buying, how it works, and how it changes. It's If you're confident in what you're doing, you'll actually be comfortable pushing people back a little bit right before you push process. I just sold the gym right before I hopped on this podcast at 55 after, right? And I told them, I want to be clear about all of the reasons why this might not work and all of the issues that you might run into, because I want to be transparent and I want you to know now instead of when it happens and then say, you promised it was going to work. So are you comfortable with this, with this, with this, and with this? Because if you're not, I shouldn't push the process button. Mm-hmm. They're like, push it, do it. I'm like, great. So it was, it was a very, it's transparency. I'm not hiding anything. These are going to be the obstacles. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Man, tons of information here. Last question as we close down turning pro, coaches that are listening, they're like, man, I'm all about this. Dr. Sean, what's one way I can turn pro today? Make a promise to yourself and keep it. Whatever it is, make a promise to yourself and keep the promise. It's, it's the easiest and fastest way to grow your confidence is to do what you say you're going to do. And the most important person to tell the truth to is yourself. Awesome. Very cool. Sean, that was fun, man. I love talking about sales. And I think it's a subject that not a lot of trainers are well-educated in. And if, if anybody has any questions, I think you're the pioneer, the person, perfect person to go to. Um, the book is out. What other areas, what other ways can I point my listeners to you to figure out what's going on, what's new with you and support you as well? Well, they can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm going to give you a link. They can get the book for free. Cool. Like there, there's, there's, a, there's a digital copy of the book that they can get for free. There's a hard copy of the book that you're holding that they have to buy because I have to pay to have somebody print it. Mm -hmm. To me, if everybody can sell, we have a better industry because no one, there's no more BS. There's no more like, oh, get great glutes in six weeks. That's gone because it's bullshit. And the reason why it wins right now is because people bringing value can't sell. Also, if you read the book, you're more likely to buy from me because you're going to see that this stuff works. You're going to make some money and you're going to say, where else? Can I spend this money to make more, help more people? And you're going to come to me. Awesome. What's the Instagram handle that these guys should be following if they haven't already? At Dr. Sean Pastuch will guide you to everything else. Awesome. Sean, thanks for taking the time. Guys, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to check out the book. We'll link it in the description below. Uh, It's a quick read. If you guys enjoyed it, make sure to give us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you got out of the show. And if you have any questions, we'd be more than happy to help clear the air on anything that you are hesitating and to wonder or to know more about. Thank you for joining. We'll see you guys next week for another episode on the My Fit Podcast. Take care.